0: The upper room discourse continues here, and after today, if if God would be pleased, there will be one more message that will complete the discourse that began back in John 13, Christ with his disciples, where he washed their feet. They became troubled over his report to them that he was going to leave them. This is the night before the crucifixion that he would go back to his father where he was going, they couldn't go. They were troubled, and so the 14th chapter of John begins with Christ saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. I go to prepare a place for you, coming again for you, take you to myself, and where I am, there you're going to be with me. Okay. And the other things that we've studied, we're continuing here. And picking up at verse 20, Christ continues his teaching. Christ has taught them the theological truth of Trinitarianism. He has explained to them that he and the Father are one. He is in the Father, they are in him and so forth. So we continue with that. And Christ is focusing now on the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, he's telling them that even though he's going away physically from them, he's going to be parted from them physically, he will still be with them. And this is how he is teaching them with regard to the Spirit, something they cannot really understand Until the day of Pentecost. He continues in verse 20 of John 14. In that day. Now that's the day of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God in the Son, Jesus Christ. Will be taken from them physically. They will be with Him after His resurrection for another 40 days. He ascends, they behold His ascension, and He gives them instructions to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes, the power from on high. Ten days later, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes visibly and powerfully and fills the little number of people who comprised the church at that point in time. Christ alludes to that day. In that day, you will know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 3, and Paul says, We are with Christ in God. At this moment, the disciples will still not completely understand what Jesus is saying. For the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling the church has not yet come. Christ is acknowledging to them, right now you're not going to understand, but you will in that day. The Holy Spirit of God coming to the church, continuing in the church, abiding in true believers, makes us the temple of God in this world. And has brought to the church a literal explosion of spiritual understanding. And the world cannot understand it because the world does not have the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I am in the Father. You will know this. That I'm in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. How is this? By the Holy Spirit. You see, if you are a believer, if you are a born again believer and the New Testament carefully identifies the traits of a true Christian. If you are a true believer, and some of those traits will be discussed here in in this passage we're in. If you're a true believer, Believer in Christ, you have a magnificent gift from the Father, which is God Himself residing within you, and He is your teacher. The only one who can teach us the supernatural things from heaven is the one who authored all of these things and that's God. And Christ is saying, I'm still going to be with you. The Father is the, I'm in the we've already saw this, we already seen this earlier texts previous to this one. I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. Now he goes a little further he says, and you're in me and I'm in you. I'm going to be with you. He ends Matthew, Matthew's gospel. I'm with you always. To the end of the age, how is he with us? By the Holy Spirit of God. Where two or three are gathered in my name, he talks about his presence. Christ is still here. And this number of people here today, hopefully all of us, but surely many of us are true believers in Christ. We are here assembled to the glory of and in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are not here... For anything else and in any one another's name, except that we are here in the name of and to the glory of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for what he has done for us. This is why we're here. And we have this knowledge that the Lord is with us. He drives us to our knees in times of need. He strengthens us in times of weakness and temptation. He is called alongside. We've studied that word already. We're going to see it again, and it's translated here another way. He's translated as the comforter. He's translated as the helper. He's translated as the the strengthener, parakaleo, the the parakletos. He's the one who is called alongside. So he lives in us, and whatever we face in life... He is alongside us, providing for us whatever we need. Do we need wisdom? Do we need courage? Do we need strength? Do we need help? Whatever it is, that's what the word parakletos, that's what it means. Parakletos. Now, Christ is with us by his spirit. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. the presence of god the true and living god today is in the believer there's a great truth some so many times we just don't acknowledge what we are and who we are in christ he abides with us. We'll see more about that here uh, in a minute. The one having my commandments. Having. You see that word? I have it in green. It's up there. Echo. Echo. It means to possess. To have. To possess. The one possessing my commandments. Commandments. And keeping them. Teron. It's an army word. That's a military word. To, to post a, a sentry. To post a guard. To guard and protect. The precious, blessed, holy word of God. Whose job is that today? It is the job of the church. We are today the depository of truth in the world. Only the church, no one else. It is the job of the church. It is the work of the church not only to possess the word. And to guard it and secure it and protect it. But as we learn in other parts, to declare it. To teach the world truth. The Bible still stands. The Bible has been attacked in so many ways. I don't, that's a, that's a, a month long study in itself. To look at the history of the world and the world versus the Word of God. It's attacked today. It'll be attacked tomorrow. If God gives us tomorrow, it stands under horrific attack. Those who come to bring it and preach it and teach it come under attack. They come under all kinds of attack. That does not excuse us from what Christ has said about the true church beginning with the disciples. The one possessing my commandments and securing them, guarding them, protecting them. He is the one who is in love with me. This is an an intimate family, the church. We love Christ. We love him because he first loved us. In the securing and guarding and possessing of that word. Like the old song said, we are to trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. This is our job. We don't understand all of it when we become Christians But the Holy Spirit of God is our teacher and we are unctioned to love the word, to study the word. And when we come into discovery that we haven't been really obedient to the word, we try then to be obedient. We confess and repent and we correct our lives. It's a constant it's a constant life long reality for you don't stop. I've lost track of how many times I've read the Bible all the way through. Every day for hours a day, I'm pouring over scripture. I've preached all the way through the Bible twice. It took me about 35 years or so to do it. Now, let me say this. I'm still discovering new things, and I'm still discovering ways in which I have failed, and I'm having to correct and repent and trust and obey. The first time, the second time, the third time, every time that I read those things, I'm sure what it was, I had too much personal bias. It was too much of the world hanging on to me that had become important to me, But the more I read it and the more I see it, there are these things that just come in me that have never come in me like that before. It's a lifelong process to possess and to guard the word of God. He is the one loving me. Now let's take the juxtaposition of that. If you don't love the word of God, If you're not careful to protect and guard the Word of God, if you are flippant with the Word of God, I have a I have a personal conviction. And this is because of decades of preaching and studying and so this is just me. This is just me. This is right for me. I rely heavily more and more on how it was originally given, and that's why I always put the other. And I'm in a constant study of of the original texts in Greek and New Testament, Hebrew and the Old Testament, and I'm not, it's, it's just me. Because I want to be sure that if I'm in possession of it, I want to be sure that I'm guarding it and keeping it because my Lord said, not one jot nor tittle, not the slightest stroke of a pen would disappear from his word. And I believe that and I trust it. (laughs) The various manuscripts, the unseals and all things, you're always, I am always, Making sure, okay, this is what it is. I can't deny it. I suppose that certain parts of my theology in nearly 50 years of preaching and teaching the Bible, certain parts of my, my theology, not that, uh, certain, certain, let me get this right, certain parts of my theology, is that what I'm going to say? Certain parts. Well, it's like pitching a tent. You just don't say that fast when you're in (laughs) the scriptures. I made that mistake too. My theology in certain parts has been fine-tuned and even corrected in a couple of ways. Because I'm in possession of it. And I am... Convicted to guard it, to protect it, to keep it, every slight stroke of the pen. W.A. Criswell used to refer to those whom he called within the church half-infidels. Whom he said, they believe that the Bible is inspired in spots and they are the ones inspired to pick out the spots. Well, how ludicrous is that? The older I get, the more I study my Bible, and the farther along I go in my Christian life, the more convinced I become that if someone doesn't believe the Bible, he is not of God. Let me say that again. If someone claims to be a Christian and calls into doubt the blessed, precious, holy word of God, he cannot love Christ and he does not have the revelation of the person of Christ within himself. He's not a Christian. This is what Christ is saying here. And may I say in these modern days, Error and deception will increase because people who have this conviction will decrease. It's not cool. You're attacked by the world. You can't, you can't agree with this and agree with the things that you see at school or at work or whatever. The, the, the world is presenting all kinds of alternate lifestyles and, and different things that are totally contradictory to the word of God what happens? Those who claim to be Christian just melt. They just melt. But this is not the kind of strength that the Holy Spirit gives to us. We are to possess and protect the word of God and that tells everybody and it tells Jesus that we're in love with him. We're in the family. Now, one loving me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and will manifest. I will, infiniso, I will reveal myself to him. Christ is as real to me as anyone who is here. Perhaps even more so. Christ is real to the believer. And if Christ is real to the believer, the believer is in love with Christ. And the believer understands that Christ loves him and is loved by the Father who is in heaven. And this revelation of the Christ, this this spiritual reality that only believers can have it's not for the world it's only for the elect of God and I don't know who all they are but God does and that is why there is such a difference in humanity between those who are believers and those who are not believers he says he loves me I will reveal myself. I will declare myself to him. That's a promise from Christ. Great teaching to disciples. 11 of them are left. They are hanging on every word Jesus is saying to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, "Lord, then what has occurred that you are about to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Many times, and I'm sure it's pilot error. I'm sure it's failure of the one trying to do it, me in that case. You try to explain something to somebody and they they pick up on some crazy word and then they fly off in another direction and then they come back with what they think you said and it's totally off the radar. It's just nothing like what you're trying to teach. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They are still hanging on to the hope that when Christ emerges from this upper room, he's going to walk out into Jerusalem, declare himself the king of the world, and cause the downfall of the Roman Empire. They're still holding on to that. Now, this is not going to happen. Of course, this is the great error that Christ in his teaching was correcting in Judaism. They simply overlooked that part of the prophecies In the Old Testament, that declared that Messiah would be a suffering servant. They didn't like to hear that. They liked that part where he was going to be king of everybody and put all the enemies down and all that kind of stuff. He's come first to be the suffering servant. Judas, who is not Iscariot, says here, What do you mean? We're expecting you to walk right out of this place and set up a throne and put us around that throne and give us great power in the world. What do you mean you're going to show yourself to us and you're not going to show yourself to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. There's There's that word again. Today, the guard, keep, secure. If anyone loves me, he will protect my word. He will secure my word. He will guard my word. He will keep my word. And my father will love him. Can you see the qualifier here? About the identification of a true believer. The identification of a true believer is an adherence to truth. We'll talk about that a little more in just a second. And my father will love him. And here's the intimacy, okay? And we will come to him. And will make a home with him. We'll name A home. Manoia was, King James calls it mansions somewhere. My father's house are many mansions. My father's house are many rooms, dwelling places, abodes. It's a house. It's a family house. It is the house of the father. And the children are given vast, expansive locations and dwelling places within that. And it makes a home. The home of the bride and the groom given and granted by the father This is what he says. You guard my word. You secure my word. How important is that? He keeps saying it. For the people of God, those who are really the people of God, to protect and secure and then declare and teach and to make disciples, to secure the word of God. If you don't believe the word of God, an angel from heaven cannot help you. We will come to him and we'll make a home with him. Remember now, these 11 are distraught. They're distressed. They're afraid. They're troubled. And Christ began this part of the discourse by saying, Let not your hearts be troubled. We're not going to get to it this week, but he's then going to say, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to grant you peace, and you'll have peace. They don't have that right now. But the teaching here is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And how the word comes to us by the Holy Spirit. We will make a home with him. The one not loving me does not keep my words. that's, That's about as plain as it can be. And the word that you hear is not mine, but of the Father having sent me. Here's what we're going to see. We'll see in the next slide, I think. The Father is true. He never lies. What the Father says, what the Father declares, what the Father does is truth. The Father sends the Son Who is within him? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth within himself, and he teaches that truth, and he is the harbinger of truth. The son will go away, but he will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of truth. And what we're about to see is this. The Holy Spirit deposits that truth into the minds of the apostles, the New Testament. The apostles then carry that truth and write it and send it out and it goes to the church. And now the church becomes the pillar and the ground of truth. No one else in the world possesses absolute truth and absolute truth can only come from God. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, the world by wisdom knew not God. The world cannot write about truth. They can't. Paul writes to Timothy, they, they they felt they knew the truth, but they didn't know the truth. Several places in the New Testament that contrasts the wisdom of the world with the absolute truth of the word of God and the world in its best day cannot of itself tell us truth cannot it's not mine but it's the father's who sent me now these things I have said to you while abiding with you he's setting them up I'm not going to be here I'm going to leave you physically. However. The helper. There's the same word. Paracletos. The one called alongside. patēr alongside Kaleo to call. The one called alongside. Who will help you. These guys are going to need help. However the Helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, catch this. He will teach you all things, not some things, all things. The real, true, Reality of existence is taught to us by God. The things that are pertinent for everlasting life, all things, come to us via the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said To you. Today, what is today? July the thirty first, two thousand and twenty two. Those of us who are forty years old and older. Someone tell me what you were doing on July the 31st, 1995. Well, you can't. How then did a decade or two later the apostles write the all things? That he said, because God within them, the helper, the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance all things. That's why the Bible says that it's inspired. It's God breathed divine revelation. The most precious gift. That God has ever given humanity is absolute truth. Truth such that we can understand the beginning, the creation, and the consummation. We can understand light and darkness. We can understand life and death. We can understand that which is temporal and that which is eternal. We can understand the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. We can understand heaven. We can understand hell. We can understand judgment, which God will impose upon everyone who has ever lived. And we can understand salvation. We can understand the difference between truth and deception. And it has served the church absolutely and irrevocably for all of our time and will continue to do so. That little list of things I just mentioned, there's so many other things that I just can't come to my mind right now, but all of those things we are taught and the world cannot teach you these things. The world has no possession of truth. The world really has no wisdom. The world comes to us with lies and deception because they are of their father who is the father of lies. He is the great liar, the great deceiver, the adversary, the slanderer, Satan and his demons. And they have laid claim to this world and this world inundates us with all kinds of lies and deception and it is probably today coming at us at an unparalleled rate with an avalanche of falsehood unlike I think humanity has ever seen. It comes to us from everywhere. Sit down and try to enjoy a movie of recent years and lies will be woven into it. You just you just can't bear witness with what's being done. Modern songs. Lies. Social media. Media itself. The world cannot understand. Because truth has not been given to the world except through the teaching of the church. That's exactly what Christ is saying here. The helper will come. The father will send him in my name. And you will have a plethora of understanding. And you will come to realize more that the true and living God has revealed himself as father, son, and Holy Spirit. And that the fullness of the Godhead bodily came in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that you are in me, and I'm in you, and I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. And I will send the Holy Spirit. He comes in my name. And I am with you always by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the church. We are the temple of the living God today. What did they do in the Old Testament? They would go to the temple to deal with sin, to hear the priests teach about the importance of atonement, all of those things. And to learn of what purity really was and how we fall short of the standard that God has declared, but that God has provided a way out through and atonement and that we can be justified by the way that God has said and the whole thing was a preview and a prophecy to the coming of the Christ and as the writer to the Hebrews says God has spoken to us in these last days by his son Jesus Christ this is absolute truth a lot of crazy things happening in the world today China threatening to shoot down the Speaker of the House. And I won't ask your opinion of that. <laughs> but what would it do? What happens? What happens if this uh, explosion of falsehood and delusion Continues in the United States of America. Just read the book. Read the book. Understand the truth. Here's what happens to nations who forget God. The psalmist writes. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. But I'm in Christ. I'm a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. Thank God in heaven. I don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it yesterday. I won't deserve it tomorrow. I sure don't deserve it today. But for some reason. He has called me into his kingdom. And he has given to me this. Burden of Oracle. To proclaim. You know. God even said to the prophet. He said look it's. It's going to taste good in your mouth, the Word. The Word's going to taste good in your mouth and sweet, but it's going to be bitter in your stomach because of what you'll face. Well, this is the church. We just have to know that where weakness and sin may abound, grace much more abounds, and that which God has called us must happen It's built into our call of salvation according to Ephesians and God will help us, the helper. He'll help us. Just trust him. Love Jesus. Be part of the family and feel at home with God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. The most blessed thing that could happen to you today as an unbeliever is to feel the need to be saved. That's God. You don't conjure that up within yourself. That's God doing it in you. In just a moment, we'll be dismissed on your way out if God calls you into His kingdom, into His salvation. We have deacons and wives standing just across the hall. You'll see them as you exit. They're ready to pray with you, to talk to you about the glories and wonders of salvation to which God calls us. Maybe you're here, you're already a Christian. And God leads you to come and be a part of this congregation. We try our best to be committed to the truth, to his precious holy word. We're weak and we fail at times, but we do our best in this generation to teach the Bible to those who listen. You want to come and be a part of Shiloh? The deacons are there and their wives ready to answer your questions and to do whatever is necessary that you might become a part of this congregation. Right now, let's all stand all over this room and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer.